And well, it would be my joy if you would join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 will be in verses 7 to the end of the chapter. And I'm excited this morning to, to think about the glory of the gospel, the glory of the new covenant, the, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The gospel is the greatest story the greatest story that, that seems too good to be true, that's actually true. The good news of what Jesus has done for you is the greatest story that seems too good to be true, that's actually true. And I pray this morning that you would feel the, the trueness and the freedom and the joy that comes from knowing this glorious gospel, from knowing Jesus this is what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their hearts were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would help us today. That, Lord, through the power of your word, through the power of your Spirit, that, Lord, that you would do what the Spirit loves to do, that your Spirit would bring life to us. That, that your Spirit would bring freedom to us, that our sins are forgiven and that we are righteous in Christ. That, that your Spirit would stir up boldness and, and freedom and transformation for us as we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us see the glory of Jesus. That we would settle for nothing less than the glory of Jesus. That we would be obsessed as a church with the glory of Jesus. Lord, that we might be transformed. That you might receive glory. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Never settle for lesser glory. Those are words to live by. Never settle 
for lesser glory when greater glory is to be found. That's exactly what sin really is. It's settling for lesser glory than the glory that's found in Jesus. It's trying to be satisfied. It's trying to find joy. It's trying to find contentment. It's trying to find hope in something less than Jesus. It's hoping something can bear the weight of all your hope that's less weighty than the glory of Jesus. It's like a person in awe of a trickling waterfall in Kentucky because they've never been to the Niagara Falls. It's like someone being captivated by a muddy pond on a farm because they've never seen or stood by the ocean. It's like someone being overwhelmed by a sinkhole or a ditch in their front yard because they've never seen the Grand Canyon. It's like someone being startled by a star in the sky because they've never seen the northern lights. Brothers and sisters, there's a greater glory to be captivated by. There's a greater glory to be changed by. There's one supreme glory that surpasses all lesser glories. And that's the glory of Jesus. This is what Paul's wanting the Corinthians to understand. To to not settle for the lesser glory of the Old Covenant. The lesser glory of the Old Testament law. When a greater glory of the grace of Jesus and the gospel has come. There's a new covenant that has come. There's a new age that has done. And it is in and through Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit was saying through Paul to the Corinthian church, the Holy Spirit is screaming to us this morning, don't settle for lesser glory than the glory of Jesus. Don't settle for lesser glory of of the law, of doing more and trying harder when there's a freedom and a joy that's found in the glory of the gospel. Don't settle for any lesser glory in what this world has to offer when God wants to give you more of himself in Jesus. This morning, I'm, I'm praying the, that the Holy Spirit would help us catch a glimpse of the glory of Jesus, the greater glory of the gospel, and that we would see the difference that it makes for those who rest in Jesus who behold the glory of Jesus. Paul starts by showing us three ways that the new covenant is greater than the old covenant. Or another way to put it, three ways that the gospel is greater than the glory of the law. And he uses three different words kind of interchangeably to show us these truths. First, he says the ministry of the Spirit has greater glory than the ministry of death. The ministry of the Spirit has greater glory than the ministry of death. Look at verse 7 to 8. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have more glory? Don't miss it. The, 
the law written on tablets of stone in the Old Testament at Mount Sinai, it came with glory because it came from the Lord. The the law came with glory because God's people couldn't even look at at Moses' face when he came down from the mountain from being in the presence of God. But as Paul says in Romans 7, when the commandment came, it only aggravated sin in my heart. It only aggravated a desire to want to covet even more. And it only brought on death in my heart. See, the Old Testament law reveals God's standard. It reveals that you and I fall short of God's standard, but it leaves us dead. It leaves us dead. It can't do anything for us. It can't bring life to us. It can show us we fall short, but it can't make us alive. But the ministry of the Spirit is different. It's greater because it brings life. Verse 6 told us that last week. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit of the living God came to do what the law could never do. Bring resurrection life to your dead hearts. It's like the law is like an EKG. The law is an EKG that reveals, it's a test that reveals that there is no spiritual life in your dead heart. But the Spirit of God, the ministry of the Spirit is like a defibrillator of God that gives you spiritual life. That brings back spiritual life, a, a spiritual heartbeat that loves what God loves and makes you alive in Christ. Second, he says, the ministry of righteousness has greater glory than the ministry of condemnation. Look at verse 9. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. The Old Testament law was glorious. For when we read the Old Testament law, it reveals God's righteousness. It reflects the holy standard of a holy God. That's why when we read the book of Leviticus, which you might have quit halfway through your Bible reading plan this year, but in the book of Leviticus, it could be summarized in chapter 20 with these words. Be holy, for I am holy. So God in His holiness reflects His holiness in His good, perfect law. The only problem is is that all of us are sinners. None of us keep the law. We all fall short of the standard. We're not holy like God. Listen, the, the law reveals God's righteousness and exposes your unrighteousness, but it can't make you righteous. It's a good way to look at the law. All the glory wrapped up in the law. That it reveals God's good and perfect righteousness. And it exposes that you're unrighteous, but it can't make you righteous. It doesn't have that power. Think about it this way. 
It's like if the righteous standard of God, in order to be perfect, in order to be holy and be accepted and approved of before God, if that standard was like you had to jump over the Grand Canyon, that's a big standard. To be righteous, you got to jump over the Grand Canyon. Listen, it doesn't matter if I can jump five feet over, or if you can jump ten feet, or if the Guinness Book of World Records guy can jump 15 feet, all of us are falling short of the standard. None of us can meet the righteous requirements of the law to stand in God's presence. That's why Paul calls it the ministry of condemnation. We all stand condemned before God's law. That's why we need the gospel. That's why we need the ministry, he calls it, of righteousness. That's why the ministry of righteousness far exceeds, he says, the glory of the law. Because see, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus did live the righteous life that you could never live. He did meet the righteous standard that you fell short of. Jesus lived a perfect life so that you and I who stand condemned could now be counted righteous if we are in Him. So that when God looks upon us, a holy God looks upon us as sinners outside of Jesus, we are doomed in Jesus. We are loved. We are accepted. We are approved. We are delighted in. That's why we sang a minute ago, my hope is built on nothing less. Nothing. Don't put your hope, your weight, your trust on anything less than what? Jesus' blood and righteousness. His blood and righteousness. Because we needed Jesus' precious blood to pay for our sins. But we needed His perfect righteousness to make us acceptable. To make us righteous before a holy God. Finally, he says that it's greater because of this. The, the gospel or the new covenant has greater glory than the old covenant because it's permanent. He drives us home in verse 10 and 11. Read it again. It says, indeed, in this case, what once had glory had come to have no glory at all. Because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Again, in the Old Covenant, in the law, back in Mount Sinai, there was plenty of glory. Just read the book of Exodus and you won't yawn. You'll be in awe of the glory of God. Do you remember the story? There's a mountain that's, that's filled with a cloud of smoke showing the glory of God. There's thunder and lightning. The people couldn't even go up the mountain because they were in fear and awe of God. They had to send Moses for them. There's a reason that Moses had to cover his face with a veil because sinners couldn't look upon the glory. But the old covenant, Paul says, the, the law, Paul says, was a fading glory. It was a glory that would not remain, that would not continue. 
Paul said this is the the reason that Moses would cover his face to, to hide the glory. This is the reason, he says in verse 13, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what's being brought to an end. The Israelites wouldn't try to look upon his glory and see that it's fading away. The old covenant was not forever. The the glory would not remain. There was a greater glory coming. And this glory is the surpassing glory of the gospel. This glory is the supreme glory of of Jesus. Look, there, there is not, brothers and sisters, there is not a greater glory that's coming. Like we're not gr- waiting on a greater glory, longing for something greater to come than Jesus. There's no greater dispensing of grace and joy and righteousness and forgiveness and peace and love and mercy and kindness coming. Because why? Because they're all found in their fullness in Jesus. They're all found in their fullness in Jesus. So what Paul's saying to the Corinthians and and what the Holy Spirit is yelling to us this morning is that there's no other place to look. There's no other place to turn. There's no other glory to that will surpass the glory of Jesus. The Spirit's saying, quit looking. Quit looking. The the ministry of the Spirit, the, the ministry of the Gospel that makes you righteous is forever. It's permanent. It's everlasting for all of those who are in Jesus. So what's that mean? What do we do with that this morning? What's that mean for those who have believed in the gospel? What's it mean for you today if you would turn from your sins and trust in Jesus? What would that mean for you today? What would you receive in Jesus today? For those who would turn from lesser glories and find trust and hope and joy in the supreme glory of Jesus. Well, the first thing that passage says is that the gospel gives us boldness. He says, since we have, in verse 12, such a hope, we are very bold. Because this gospel is true, we are very bold. We, we have boldness to proclaim the gospel and boldness to enter into God's presence. And and I would argue that the boldness to proclaim the gospel actually flows from the boldness that you can come into God's presence. Remember in the Old Testament, remember only Moses went up to the mountain to meet with God. He would veil in his face in Exodus 34. He would unveil it. He would take off the veil to meet with the Lord. And then he would cover it again when he returned. Or, or remember when Moses asked God, he says, he says a simple prayer. He says, ask me whatever you will. And he says, show me your glory. 
And the Lord hides him behind a rock so he can only see his backside. He can't see the face of God. Or remember in the old covenant how the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one day a year. Only one day a year could the high priest go into the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence dwelt among his people. Only one day, and that's only after he made purification and atonement for himself. See, sinners can't just casually stroll into the presence of God. Those who are unrighteous have no right, no permission to stand before a righteous God. There's a reason that Israel couldn't go up the mountain. There's a reason that only one person could go in the Holy of Holies. There's a reason that when Uzzah touched the ark that he died because he thought he was more holy than the ground that the ark was going to hit. There's a reason that Aaron's sons were killed because they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. And the reason is, is because God is holy, holy, holy. And we are not. God is holy and we are not. Left alone in our sins. Left alone to yourself, it would be incredibly foolish for you to try to come into the presence of God. However, a new day has dawned. A new covenant has come. The gospel brings boldness to those who are in Christ. Sinners who once had their minds hardened, who had a veil over our hearts that could not look upon the glory of Jesus. The Bible says through faith in Jesus Christ, through believing in this gospel, we are given new hearts. There's a veil. Jesus has taken the veil away. All because of Jesus, Paul now says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. It's not just Paul. That is you in Christ. You filled with the Spirit. Since you have this hope, you can be very bold. Isn't that good news? Because, listen, in the gospel, God doesn't lower his standard of righteousness. He just meets it fully in Jesus. What you could never be on your own, perfectly righteous, you are given as a gift in the gospel through Jesus. You are given the gift of righteousness that's not your own, but becomes yours in Christ. So that through Jesus Christ, through the gospel, we have unlimited access. We have an unashamed boldness before God. In the gospel, where there used to be a no trespassing sign into the presence of God, now it says, welcome home. Welcome home for all those who are in Christ. Welcome home all who would enter into God's presence through Christ. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, 
Remember that the high priest could only go one day a year in the Old Covenant. Only one time, one day a year could he go in the, under the law. But now, this is our gospel reality in the New Covenant. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Did you hear it in the, in the place where, where we used to f- be filled with fear and trembling? God's presence. We now have gospel boldness. Listen. You have VIP access into the presence of God. God is inviting you to draw near, inviting you to say, come and live in my presence. Not one day a year. No, come and dwell here with me. That should blow your mind of that reality that we have in the gospel. You have greater access to God than Moses. You have greater access to a holy God than every high priest in the Old Testament. You have unlimited access. So you should have unashamed boldness in Jesus Christ. Second, though, not only does it give us boldness, but it gives us freedom. We have freedom now in Jesus. Remember, he called the law the ministry of condemnation. The law had the power to show you that you're not righteous, but it couldn't make you righteous. And that word condemnation is really a, a legal term. It's a a word before the judge, meaning you stand guilty. On your own, you stand without hope before God, with your best works, with your best deeds, your best performance that you bring before God. Your mouth is shut, and you have no defense that you can make before God. So think of it this way. Under the law, we stand guilty. Under the law, outside of Christ, you you are in chains. You are shackled in chains to sin and death. And that is the opposite of freedom. No matter how free you think you are today, if you're not in Jesus Christ, you are in shackles. But yet through the ministry of righteousness, through the good news of the gospel, we have now been set free really free real freedom from sin and death listen to Romans 8 it says therefore there is now no condemnation no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of spirit the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death for what God has done For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. You hear it? Couldn't happen. 
By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, when, when the law was hanging over your head, your mouth was shut before God. You had no defense before God on your own. You stood condemned because you had fallen short. But the good news of the gospel is when Jesus hung on the cross in your place, God condemned your sin in Him. He punished Jesus in your place so that God could never condemn you. Even if he wanted to, he could never condemn you because Jesus already bore your condemnation. That's the real freedom of the gospel. That's the real freedom of the gospel. That all your sins, past, present, and future, can be forgiven forever. And you can stand righteous forever in Jesus. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Galatians 5.1. And it says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Listen, Christ has set you free so that we would be really free and feel really free. Let me say that again. Christ has set you free so that you can be really free, legally not guilty before God. No charges could be brought against you. And so you could feel really free in Jesus. So you can be unburdened by the grace and love of the gospel. In fact, I tell guys all the time, in light of that verse, if it doesn't feel like freedom, you're doing it wrong. If it doesn't really feel like freedom in the gospel, then you're doing it wrong. Because God's Word says to us in verse 17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if through believing in Jesus Christ, God has caused His Holy Spirit to take up residence in your heart, that means in your heart where the freedom, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Actually, in the Greek, it just says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, freedom. Wherever the Spirit is, there's freedom to those who are in Christ. For those filled with the Spirit, you are no longer your sin. You are a son and daughter of the King. You're no longer enslaved. You are really free. You are really free in Christ. In fact, last night I was thinking about this and I was like, I just want to think about all the ways that, that freedom is found in the gospel. And I just started writing down all the freedom that is really true of us in Jesus. 
And God really wants us to feel in Jesus. This is the freedom that is yours in Jesus. Freedom from comparison. Freedom from performing. Freedom from earning. Freedom from avoiding. Freedom from being judged by others. Freedom from judging yourself. Freedom from falling short. Freedom from hiding. Freedom from having to carry my burdens. Freedom from pretending to be someone. Freedom from anxiety of not being enough. Freedom from boasting in myself. Freedom from self-pity. Freedom from self-confidence. Freedom from the illusion of self-sufficiency. Freedom from discontentment. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from shame. Freedom from past sins hanging over me. Freedom from present sins having real power today. Freedom from my best effort. Freedom from fearing death. Freedom from fleeting pleasures. Freedom from substitute saviors. Freedom from lesser glories. Freedom from being silent. Freedom from having to keep my distance from God's presence. Freedom in Christ. True freedom in Christ and through His Spirit. That is really yours in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants you to feel today that that is really yours in Jesus. All of that in Jesus. Oh, the gospel gives us boldness. The gospel gives us freedom. And finally, the gospel brings transformation. Look at verse 18. And we all, who's he talking about? Every single one of us who are in Christ. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This verse might possibly be the single best verse that summarizes the Christian life. What your Christian life should look like. This might be the single verse in the Bible. For all those who believed in Jesus, those who have had the veil lifted over your hearts, off your hearts, so that you can see Jesus. Let me just simplify your Christian life. Paul's saying... Keep looking at Jesus until you look like Jesus. The rest of your life. Keep looking at Jesus until you look like Jesus. It's a principle for, that's true for all of life and for all eternity. That you'll become like whatever you behold. That's true for everybody in all the world for all time. You will become like whatever you behold. Young people need to listen to this. Young people who are streaming through uh, Instagram and YouTube all day long. Listen, whatever captures your heart, whatever captivates your attention, you will become like that thing. 
If you fix your eyes on any idol in this world, you will slowly become like whatever you idolize. And the same is true with Jesus. When we are captured by the glory of Jesus, we will become like Jesus. When we are captured by this diamond that we call Jesus, not the prongs of the ring that hold up the diamond, not the lesser things that distract us from the diamond, but the diamond that is Jesus, we will become like Jesus. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not instantaneous. There is no such thing as microwave Christianity. Listen to what Paul says. He says, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. One degree. One degree of glory to another. That should be really freeing for us that want it instantaneously or get frustrated that we're not growing fast enough. It's going to take a lifetime of looking at Jesus day after day after day to become like Jesus. Not a Sunday, not a year, not a bunch of quiet times, a lifetime of looking at Jesus and beholding his supreme glory to become like Jesus. I want us to experience that joy of gospel transformation. In fact, listen, it should be just as freeing to us that sanctification is a process that it is freeing to us that justification is instantaneous. I'll say that again. It should be just as freeing to you that sanctification is a lifetime process that it is freeing to you that justification is instantaneous. Meaning it should be really freeing that the moment you believe in Jesus, you stand not guilty and free forever from now into all eternity. That you will never have your sin counted against you ever again. But it should be just as freeing that God is going to make you like Jesus. He will make you like Jesus day after day after day until the day you see his face. What's this look like? How do you look at Jesus? That sounds like some good churchy words. Just leave here looking at Jesus. Really, Lance, where is he? Like, I thought he lived 2,000 years ago. How do we see Jesus? Well, you look at Jesus by reading his word, reading about Jesus. You look at Jesus by rehearsing the good news of the gospel with one another. You look at Jesus by singing about the glories of Jesus that we sang about. You look at Jesus by telling people who don't know about Jesus just how beautiful Jesus is to you. You look at Jesus by begging the Lord to stagger you with His glory. But maybe the best thing you can do Maybe the best thing that you can do today, 
is to never settle for anything less than the supreme glory of Jesus. Never settle for anything less than the supreme glory of Jesus. Like, never settle for what streams on your phone. Never settle for the most money or the best career or the most possessions. Never settle for a career climbing a ladder. Never settle for a, a video game or a sports team. Never, never settle for the perfect polished image on Instagram. Never settle for anything less than the surpassing glory of Jesus. Just live your life every day. Lord, I don't want anything to distract me from the unsurpassing glory of Jesus. And maybe this morning that's what repentance looks like for every single one of us. It's to confess to the Lord, I have settled. Father, I have settled for a lot of things that do not compare to the beauty and the glory of Jesus. The supreme glory of a Savior who would not only die on a cross, whose blood would pay for all my sins, but who also would make me perfectly righteous in Him forever. Lord, give us more of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we ask today, Lord, that you would draw our eyes. That you would draw our hearts. That you draw our minds, everything about us, Lord. That you would draw our attention to Jesus. Lord, would you capture our affection with Jesus. Lord, do not let us settle for anything less than the glory of Jesus. Lord, for those who are here today who are still enslaved to their sin, for all those who are in shackles, still condemned to sin and death, Lord, I pray that You would set them free by showing them that Jesus is better than all their sin. That Jesus is better than whatever idol they're trying to idolize. That Jesus is more than enough, not only to save them from the, their sin, but to satisfy them forever. So Lord, I pray by the power of your Spirit, by your grace, Lord, would you set sinners free today? Lord, would you set sinners free that their sins would be completely forgiven because of Jesus' death on the cross and that they would be covered in His righteousness. Lord, through His death and resurrection. And Lord, I pray for us as believers, for all Your church that is gathered here today, Lord, that we would not settle for anything less than Jesus. Oh Lord, that we would not turn to anything in this world to satisfy us other than Jesus. Lord, that we would Lord, be overwhelmed by all that you have given to us in your Son so that everything else would pale in comparison. And Lord, through that, 
through that gift of your one and only Son, Lord, would you give us boldness to proclaim the gospel, boldness to come into your presence. Lord, would you give us freedom, freedom from performing and pretending, freedom from trying hard and giving our best effort, Lord, freedom from resting in our own righteousness, Lord, and that we would cast ourselves upon the righteousness, the perfect, perfect Savior that is Jesus. Lord, give us boldness and freedom and transform us that as we look at Jesus, we would become like Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.